warning, this podcast may contain strong language. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Film Fight, a film analysis podcast where we take two movies with a similar plot or story and see which one is better and why. I'm your host, Zach Bassetta, and I'm here with my co-host, television director and artist, Amber Hollinger. Zach, how you doing? Happy New Year. You too. Happy 2023. Can you believe it? I cannot. In fact, I just saw this meme on Instagram where... This guy is going up to this kid and checking his ID. And he only looks at the ID for a couple of seconds. And the dude's like, hey, that was really fast. And the kid goes, listen, all I did was look at the 19. Mm. So rude. The the uh, the sigh of uh, disgust you just heard was from sound engineer and post-production guru, Steve Walter. Mm, I'm old. Back again after the holidays. Yeah, it's been a, uh, two weeks, right? Something like that. I've lost all track of time, to be honest with you. <laughs> and of course, marketing strategist extraordinaire, Jim Vistano. How are you, our, our uh, favorite Jim in Los Angeles? Hello. Uh, I'm very well. Thank you. Good. Well, I guess Jim Carrey is, I don't know, he's Canadian, so who knows where he lives. <laughs> yeah. Either way, you win. Yeah. Uh, it's good to see all of you. Yes. You guys yeah, too, it's yeah. been way too long, way too long since we last recorded. Yes. And no one would ever know because... When they're not listening, but to the, <laughs> the span between episodes is so great. This probably feels normal. We're going to do a triple drop here real soon. Just flood the market with film fight. That's right. It's multiple episodes. Well, I guess at least this episode is full of magic. Boo! Oh. Let's, uh, let's talk about it. Let's hit the stats. This week, yeah. we have got The Prestige versus The Illusionist. I think we can call this our movie magic murder mystery edition. Mm-hmm. Okay. As many hints as we can get in there. Let's break it down. Oh, hey, I got a breakdown song. Here we go. New breakdown. Three, two. Break it down now. Break it down. Break it down now. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. All right, marquee match. First up is The Prestige, uh, directed by Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan has 17 directing credits, including, including Dunkirk, huge, massive hit. Uh, the Tenant, The Dark Knight, Interstellar, Memento, one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. Great film. Batman Begins. I saw it in the movie two days in a row, Memento. I saw oh, it wow. once, and I saw it again. Just so you know <laughs> what happened. I still didn't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when my uh, my roommate at the time told me, hey, we got to see this movie. It's told in reverse order. I thought, how the heck is that going to work? And then I watched it, and I was like, how the heck did that work? Really? Took, I feel like I get it now. It took me three or four or five viewings. Absolutely. Yeah. Great movie. I love it. Uh, prestige writers include Jonathan Nolan. He has nine writing credits to his name. Westworld, Interstellar, The Dark Knight. Uh, Pretty much Nolan. everything Chris has done, I think he's written basically, right? It seems like that. I don't know if they're brothers because they didn't look it up. They are brothers, uh, although they didn't grow up together. So Chris is uh, British and Jonathan is American. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Not to have that British accent. What a loss. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the Nolan brothers responsible for the screenplay. And then the novel that this was adapted from it's written by Christopher Priest. This stars Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman, known for X-Men, Wolverine, Greatest Showman, uh, Les Miserables, uh, okay. Christian Bale, Oscar winner for The Fighter, uh, The Dark Knight, Batman Begins, American Psycho, American Hustle, all the American films. Empire <laughs> of the Sun, yeah, that's where we, we saw him as a little kid. Yeah, yeah uh, great since then. Ford yeah. versus Ferrari, uh, Vice, and he was the voice of Bagheera in the Jungle Book live action. I'd like to bring. He was also up. the voice of that guy that yelled at the lighting guy. 
Yes. Oh, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, also starring Michael Caine, The Dark Knight, Cider House Rules. Uh, he won an Oscar for Cider House Rules. Uh, Hannah and her sister. He did a, a voice for Cars 2. He was also in Inception. So you got people that uh, were in several movies together. Uh, Piper Pablo. She's most known for Coyote Ugly and then is done Piper primarily. Parabin. Piper Parabin. Oh, wait, hold on. I am Michael Gain, and I never blink. <laughs> That's his thing, right? We watched this one together, guys, and uh, it was, I had never seen it. Did you guys, I forget. I saw it. I, I, I had seen it. I make mention of every time I see Michael Caine because there's a bit of him on YouTube where he was giving an acting class on some British TV show, and he talks about never blinking. Yeah. Or blinking as little as possible to get the character, I don't know. And I was like, all right, so now only time I watch Michael Caine is only thing I'm doing is like watching him to see if he blinks. It totally ruined <laughs> his whole spiel for me. Did he and blink a lot in the prestige? I, I, I don't think I saw him blink once and I was really paying attention. I accidentally watched uh, two other movies. Uh, it was called, it wasn't, I mean, you know, like I sometimes make mistakes, but this one, I couldn't find any adult movies that had these names. So I went with something close. And the one I watched was called The Disappearing, Reappearing, Disappearing, Reappearing Penis. I wonder what mm. that was about. Yeah. It was not good. And the other one was called The Prestige, <laughs> of, the prestige of Boobs, which was great. I highly recommend it. Was that a documentary? Yes. It was done by, uh, what's his name? The guy, <laughs> Warner Herzog. It's one of his littler known films, The Prestige of Boobs. Sounds like Poor a must. Piper can't even get her credit. <laughs> Sorry, Piper. <laughs> I'd say she's only, well, I don't know. I'm sure she's done other. I know her from Coyote Ugly. Like, that's it. She's mostly been doing television shows, but good television shows like Yellowstone and uh, Billions, so Penny Dreadful. And then, of course, Scarlett Johansson rounds out our starring cast. Uh, most people know her, unless you're in a coma someplace. She was in Lost in Translation, her Avenger, Black Widow, Jojo Rabbit, Marriage Story. She does a voice in Isle of Dogs, Ghost in the Shell. Top-notch cast. Both of our movies were released in 2006. Prestige comes in at two hours and 10 minutes. And the summary as on IMD reads, after a tragic accident, two stage magicians in 1980s London engage in 1890s legends. <laughs> Sorry, a little dyslexia there. That would have been so awesome. That would have been so much um, better in from year like Engage in a battle to create the ultimate illusion while sacrificing everything they have to outwit each other. Now, we go up against the illusionist stats. Director Neil Berger, he has 12 directing credits to his name, Divergent, Billions, the TV I mean, scenario. let's be honest, not a lot to write home about. I mean, Billions is directed superbly. Sure, sure. Um, I, I guess I'm speaking strictly movies. I know people love Billions. For Billions sure, but not, um, not the kind of well-recognized filmography that some some of our others especially christopher nolan christopher nolan is top tier director he really is curious to me or interesting that neil also had a hand in writing on his movie that he directed so he was part of um the writing well i guess he kind of takes credit for all of that screenplay he only has five writing credits to his name voyagers inter with, interview with the assassin so it seems like he directs most of the things that he writes um, this was based on a short story. So both of these movies were based on books. They have a lot in common. This is a good matchup. Uh, based on the short story, Eisenheim, The Illusionist. It's, this is starring Edward Norton, man, Fight Club, American History X. Uh, if you're, you're going to go like magician name, though, I mean, like Eisenheim, the, you do like Eisenheim, The Magnificent or Eisen, I don't know. The Illusionist is a little anticlimactic to me. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. <laughs> on the nose. Uh, Edward also starred in Primal Fear, Birdman. I mean, he's just been in top tier movies. Uh, also did a voice in Isle of Dogs. This mm -hmm. film also stars Jessica, Jessica Biel, who is in Total Recall, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and most recently the TV series Candy, which Steve and I watched and really enjoyed that. She was great That's as good. that. Uh, Paul Giamatti. He's been in Sideways, Cinderella Man, um, also oh, an Oscar-nominated uh, actor. 
12 Years a Slave, does uh, cartoon voices for Rick and Morty and Big Mouth and BoJack Horseman. So he does a lot in the animation world. And of course, Billions, the TV series. A lot series. of Billions connections here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I'm noticing like a thread so far between Prestige and The Illusionist. We've got directors who also take part in the writing. We have a cast that has done a bunch of work together before. So they feel like they're really comfortable with each other used to their work style, noted that it was both released in 2006, and this has a runtime of one hour and 50 minutes. In turn of the century, Vienna, a magician, uses his abilities to secure the love of a woman far above his social standing. And there's the breakdown. <laughs> Paul Giamatti made this movie. For me, everybody else was kind of meh. You know, I felt like his performance was the one that I was really drawn to. Ed Norton, for some reason, he just always seemed sweaty, and mysteriously confused. I don't know how else to describe it. I have a you problem. Know how hard with... it is to do magic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the and cool thing is that type of magic. Yeah, like there was some sleight of hand stuff that he did that was pretty cool. And I read that that uh, he had a real magician on hand to help him do that stuff on hand. He did most of the tricks himself. Yeah, and there was, a, I guess, a couple of shots that that maybe they used a stunt hand for some of the stuff, but that was some pretty good sleight of hand. I remember there's something he did with the ball and something that he did. You know, the movie itself was, I don't know, it was all sepia and it felt like, I thought it was hard. It was not an, a, a, a nice movie to watch. Like, it wasn't visually appealing. Right, right. Absolutely. Like, it was I, a lot of, like, medium shots and close-ups. It was, like, two or three kind of brownish colors. Yeah. Like, the it, palette. It didn't have a good pop to the colored palette. It just, so, it was, like, all, like, sepia. Like, I was yeah. thinking, why are they filming through an Instagram filter? They Trying to make had, it look like a vintage... Like they may try to yeah, look like an old movie. They may look like it was filmed in like 1890. But yeah, agreed. And it was a little, it was, it was a little slow. Yeah, right. Was, uh, I didn't care like, for it. <laughs> I was like, like well. the tone of these two movies was completely different. Talking about these similarities, I found that in the prestige, they built a world at first to lead the audience to believe that magic was not real and there's no real magic, and then flipped it, and we found out at the end, oh my gosh. The real magic has been behind half of this. They call it science, but this was magic in this film. And then the illusionist posits a world where it opens like a fairy tale. It opens like a book, posits that there is a thousand percent magic already in this world. That's part of the lore. And then flips it on its head and reveals there is no magic in this world. It is all illusion. And there's really super interesting. But when you're talking about the, the filming and the color palette, really counterintuitive for me, if you're opening as a fairy tale, didn't seem to have the colors to support that storytelling device. And then after they began the story, never revisited that fable land. And so it felt really disconnected to me. Yeah, for sure. I wish I'd read this, the short story to, just to see like if that maybe had been added by the, the like, was that even in the short story? So like it could have been something they, they used to set up, uh, you know, the story and then didn't really capitalize on. Do you notice though when Paul Giamani, like, first of all, I did not understand the motivation, the deep instant desire to catch Ed Norton and learn all his tricks and be so obsessed with him. It was really unearned to me. But then we start with Paul Giannotti telling the prince, giving him the information and the 411 about what's going on. So he's telling them about basically everything he already knows. This prince has already gone through all this stuff with Ed Norton and knows all this information. And it's almost like he's telling it back to him. It was super, super weird. It was clearly for our benefit, but he was telling the wrong person. This person already lived through the story that he's just telling him about. Yeah, I think at the beginning, though, we do find out that Paul Giamatti is an amateur sort of wannabe magician. So I felt like that was his motivation to try to figure out what was going on with the tricks. Like he was under the guise of his job, like making sure that the prince was safe or that, mm -hmm. you know, once the ghost thing started showing up, he was like, I got to find. But I think to me, his motivation was he was a magician. He had a love for that craft. So he had double the motivation to try to figure out. That's why at the end, you remember like when the kid gives him the envelope and he opens it up and there's that diagram of the of the orange tree, which I figured, which I found out is actually a real trick. Yes, it what? is. Yes. 
it was invented by somebody in the 1850s or something like that. And it was 1840s. 1840. And it, it's an actual magic trick where this tree I grows. I thought it was such a bullshit fucking. <laughs> yeah. the movie. No, no. Right. And get, guess who it was made famous by? Houdini. Jean Eugene Robert Houdini. Wait, hold on a second. I think you misread that, Amber. I think the guy's name is Houdin. Because I was like, because I looked that up and I was, I, I don't think it's Houdini. Because his name is Harry Houdini. And Harry Houdini actually is the son of Jean Eugene. So oh, here, shit. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, oh, over here. Mm. I, I, I acquiesce. <laughs> I, I saw that and I was like, wow. Isn't that something? Right. But that's so why he was so he was so Houdin excited. And yeah. Houdini. Hello. I got it. Smart. But he was when he got that envelope at the end, you could see in his face, he was like a kid. And then he got real excited. And then, yeah, but he yeah. put he and put a lot of that stuff enough. together. He put a lot of that stuff together that was like, uh, I don't know. I, I, I you can piece some stuff, but some of that stuff I'm like, no, you're not piecing. <laughs> He's there's, a lot, there's a lot, much of leaps made there. Yeah, there's a lot of leaps. He's like, oh, you know that's what? what happened. No, you, he you didn't, didn't realize. have to have a lot of leaps because I, I would argue that these two main characters in The Illusionist, uh, Jessica Biel and Ed Norton's characters, were reckless individuals. They mm -hmm. were oh, seen yeah. multiple times in public. They, after they knew they were being followed, they legitimately just hopped on horseback together and rode off to her or his place in the wood, his place in the woods, mm -hmm. and then lit up the entire place with candles. So that it was like a homing beacon of, hey, here we are. Left the windows open while they love made for hours. Like it was pretty reckless. There was no secret about it. They wanted to get caught, these fuckers. They wanted this plan. Like that's one plan. But it was irresponsible. And <laughs> both movies had these elaborate plans. Right. Set. I did not buy the prince's. He was evil for no reason. I mean, I, he didn't. I didn't understand what his motivation be for being because the script said so. Be yeah. mean. Be. I mean, no, he was also his backstory was like he beat his girlfriends and women and stuff like that. So they put that in there already. So yeah, too it in there like just obvious exposition dump. Like, come on, writers, like get. It would have been neat if he if he had had a, a, a softer side or something a little more than just that one yeah. dimension of him being a creepy evil. He was just pissed all the time, and it yeah. didn't like I really understood right i didn't really understand why <laughs> it's just you know like what? i guess you know if no one's gonna no one else is gonna have my girlfriend i guess was the <sighs> i find that strange because jessica beale had no chemistry with the guy who played the prince she clearly had no chemistry with ed norton that carriage ride they took together <laughs> was so like energetically platonic it was so like like two, it was the like when magnets get together on the opposite side and they repel each other that's what it felt like inside that carriage but you got Ed Norton together with the guy who played the prince. And I, like, they had sexual tension and energy. Like, I thought, wow, these guys, I really believe they hate each other. Like, maybe the story is more interesting about them. They hate I, each other so much, they need to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, Jessica Biel at the time was probably acting out of her range. She's really become a good actress that, that's believable in a lot of these roles, certainly with, with the candy role. But back then... She was more of a, she just hadn't quite found her groove yet. And I think for an actor that that happens or it doesn't happen, but I feel like this was a little bit out of her range to pull off. I think well, she is distractingly perfect. Like yeah. I had to like really just sat there watching and I got upset because I mean, not just because I was upset with the story, but I just started looking at her and like, God, her face is so perfect. They're up so a nice face to her face and it's well, that's so the thing. It's like the, all the shots were close-ups or medium shots and we're yeah. just not it's like aggravating i wonder there's a if that's a reflection of the budget because there was a big discrepancy in budget between these two films they, did, they couldn't afford coverage i guess so <laughs> only a few wide shots <laughs> that's right but like but talking about the the magic in both films um ed norton did his own tricks very little cgi work thought that was really interesting. So he really brought back those little kids. That was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Impressive. Impressive. Oh, it doesn't say too much about special effects. So I don't think anybody had to do like a lot of magic themselves, but it seems like prestige. They would have had those guys train. Those guys are such committed mm -hmm. actors. 
that movie, the prestige started off like it wraps you up in the first five minutes. Like there's the a murder, so there's like a dude that's drowning, there's a witness. You're like, what is happening? And that was much more interesting and sort of even though I I didn't really like the cloning aspect of it, that that science kind of made, made it hokey at the end. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and but okay, the set but was I, believable, the world was believable, the acting was really good but i think it's part of that like any like anything we don't know like any science that hasn't been discovered yet is like mm -hmm. magic too so yeah. i mean like i do agree like it's it is magic in the sense that it doesn't exist like that sort of teleportation but i think it it works in the world like you know if we believe that nikola tesla is this scientific genius like well yeah maybe he did invent some crazy teleportation device uh, device well, and I think it was interesting that they used real people like Nikola Tesla was a real person in history that was right. a world renowned right. inventor. So they they took that world and built in a lot, like really tried to ground it in reality. It's murder. That was great. They just really grounded you in reality and then just flipped it on its head. I did hate the, the cloning magic stuff at the end. Like I legitimately you, you hated, hated the, the device or you hated it because I, it was like kind of depressing in a way. Well, it's it absolutely depressing. I appreciated that they didn't pull punches there. Like they really just made these people fallible. Like they really just made them tortured and real people making bad decisions and being yeah. obsessive. But I just didn't, yeah, I just didn't. Well, like I mean, the whole part about, I guess we should say spoilers. If you haven't oh, seen the movie, the cloning okay. spoil it already. Well, well, the, no, the part at the end, as far as um, the other guy, Christian Bale, having a twin the whole time, yeah. you know, I was like, what, what? Like that's, that's the, all the twists and stuff. But did you buy it? Because I, I thought all the twists and stuff were explained satisfactorily to me. Sure, yeah. that part, that part, I got. I was going to say I one thing that. about the Illusionist was, you know, it was filmed on location in Prague, I think. They said they were in Vienna. Vienna. Mm -hmm. So I, I read that part and then I was paying it to, I was watching a little bit of it today and I was looking at the sets and I was like, this could have just been universal backlot. There was nothing, nothing very Vienna-ish about any of it. You know what I was like, oh, well, why did they do that? You know? I do know they, they filmed The Illusionist in 46 days. That's pretty not, fast. That's not a long, yeah, that's that's a pretty fast shoot for all the stuff that they were trying to achieve in there. So I think it had only limited sets. It didn't feel like they expanded their world, whereas the prestige, you really felt like you traveled time, space. They really, really authentically built that world. And I did. Well, it sounds that. like, Amber, you liked the, the illusionist. No, no, okay. no, I didn't. Well, we'll give you that idea. <laughs> I just because I, I had said, like, oh, I was really garbage. And I thought that I got some pushback. But <laughs> oh, no, 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 um, no, no, not at all. Like, I did not like this movie at all. I. I felt like it had no chance of succeeding based on the screenplay alone. So that's what I matter. was going to say is that the writing is the right. diametric opposite, really, because like the cast, I mean, Ed Norton's always pretty great. Paul Giamatti is always great. Yeah. yeah. Writing is like so great in uh, the the prestige. Oh, uh, they gave Hales. everybody like really meaty parts to digest. So much. I can't even. What is the story with. of the Illusionist? He falls in love with someone you couldn't get because of the class status, and then he meets her later on and wants to get her and comes up with this elaborate plan to get her. That's basically it. It's weird. <laughs> that's like that's a, that's the thing. It's like the whole thing was just. It looked like just to get her back. You're going to tell me that that sword, remember how he did the thing with the sword and he stole a jewel? Like he had all that planned out, like yeah. that far. I mean, it was like, ugh, that's a stretch. It, it had the logistic planning of the Scooby-Doo episode. And that's <laughs> that's being nice to Scooby because that's- You rascally kids. Well, like, and the way he brought her back too. So that, she was dead. She was dead or like whatever. Her all her, Everything was stopped. All her vitals were, were gone or whatever for a long time. She's floating in the water. They take her out. She's in the, and then he gives her that stuff to drink and she wakes back up again. That's a little far stretch, especially well, for- I mean, but they did, they did posit a world in which magic was true. real. That's true. The crazy part of that is that it wasn't real and it was all science the whole time, which was right. so weird. Yeah. So weird. So both both movies replied, re, relied upon science as the true magic, which is- Yeah. How did they a real drag. I like Harry Potter. And- and the illusion is, how do they explain the the people coming back on the stage? How, how do they explain that? 
Was I don't it like know, a projection. You know, like the, the you know the, the kids on the stage, they weren't real. They're all like holograms, you know. And, and and at the end, he was a hologram. I don't think they, they ever really explained really... that. And I, like, that's, I read about that trick. There is a trick that that's the interesting thing is that a lot of these tricks, at least in the illusionist, are seem like they're based in real magic tricks. So that particular trick is done with mirrors and uh, smoke machines and reflections. So they were doing stuff like that back then that today we would go, oh, that's obviously a, a mirror. Well, the prestige is also used uh, some real tricks, like the bullet catching trick is real. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, so the hand, the hand in the vanishing birdcage was real. And it was, um, it was developed by Harry Blackstone. And he performed that successfully for years. And that was the one where they were like crunching birds inside the cage yeah Ugh. right right god i forgot about that yeah savage like uh, easy trick <laughs> kill that bird stupid pigeons <laughs> i didn't like the illusionist because it felt like you said it was disconnected and some of the choices that they made with the cinematography were so like it seemed amateur almost like 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 there's like this bit where they're showing a flashback and they use the uh what do you call it when you put the black circles? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, you know what? On. It's funny you should say that because it won um, an Academy Award for Best Director of Photography. That's why I am 100% in love with that cinematography. I thought that was the best part. My career, oh, is, the out the door. My career is ruined. Did you Wait, know that this was one of three movies in 2006 based around magic and magicians? Yeah. I the third one? Mm -hmm. One that I had never even heard of called Scoop. Yeah. And it also had. I thought it was about an ice cream shop. No. It was about getting a hot story. <laughs> yeah, but it also was Hugh Jackman and Scarlett Johansson. So, like, same. What? Yes. It was written and directed by. Christopher Nolan. Steven Spielberg. Bill fucking Burger. <laughs> Woody Allen. What? Oh, God. Are you serious? Right. right. So, it's so, so weird. weird. You know, like, a Woody Allen film came out. And just as a whisper in the wind, nobody, like, I never heard of it. It's the same year, same cast. Okay, oh it is a ma magician and a journalist, so I guess I was kind of right. Oh. No, no, I mean, it no still, still has magic in there. I don't know how, because I didn't see the movie, but how crazy is that? Like, the synergy of that time, we've done so many movies on this podcast where everybody, like, there was a story or something in the ether, and separate studios glommed onto it at the exact same time and released in the same year. So weird how that works. Here is the synopsis of Scoop. Even in death, British reporter Joe Stromboli, Ian McShane, is dedicated to completing his final piece of on London's notorious tarot card killer. I don't think that's the right scoop. <laughs> 2006 romance comedy, what the fuck? <laughs> Sorry, it's, uh, 2006, there couldn't have been more than one scoop. Uh, hang on, I just had it. It's uh, hold, hold on, it's 2006. Just, no, it has Scarlett Johansson, tar tarot card killer, an American journalist student, Sandra Pransky, Scarlett Johansson, discovers during a magician's Woody Allen performance that she can communicate with Joe. He hands her the story of a lifetime. I don't have my glasses on. Are you reading so, just random yeah. words in the sentence? And smudge, 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 smiley face. The rest are you just code? It's written in wingdings. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was... <laughs> it's written <in> <laughs> Smiley That's face, crazy. smiley face, smudge. Yeah, but you know, I even love just the prestige. The Illusionist was based on a short story, and maybe there was a reason it was a short story, because there wasn't really enough meat to to plan out or at yeah. least these these writers didn't write in a believable meat to the story but the prestige is damn it's good it's literally built on the story structure like acts and they build it out the story just like the magic trick when they explain the steps of the magic trick which is basically the way they laid out and structured the movie it was yeah. like just kiss i mean it was so incredibly impactful and you almost you almost forget that Michael Caine's character Cutter lays it out in the beginning. And then every once in a while, you're like, oh shit, like this is the next part in the trick. And then you're just waiting for the prestige. It was, uh, God, it was so beautiful. It was just like conceptually I, strong. I feel like I needed to see it that second time to really get it. Cause I, I enjoyed it the first mm -hmm. time, but, but I got it 
the second time. Because no, you said you had not seen this before, right? No, I did. I did. I saw when it came out. You had I saw both when they came out. Shocking. Back in 2006. <laughs> yeah, Jim was, was the that? only one who'd seen both. Yeah. I saw both in the movies at that same year. And I remember watching them. And when we started watching them again, I couldn't remember which one I liked more because I definitely liked one more than the other. And it was the prestige. Now that I saw them both again, it was the prestige I like better. Remember the part in the in the prestige where the, there was that Chinese or that a Asian magician and he was playing the old guy. And, and, and that's when Christian Bale was like, look at how committed he is. Like, this is all part of it. He's not even in the theater, yet he's still playing that character because he needed that cane for the stage. It mm -hmm. was part of the trick. And I was like, oh, I buy that. I buy that. Like mm -hmm. these guys, like magicians in general, I think they have to walk around with a different vibe at all times because they never are fully just themselves, I guess, in a weird way. So that, cause they're always probably playing to that bit. Like someday this is all going to come back around. That's why David Blaine is so weird. And Chris Angel is such a weirdo because That's they're like always levels of magicians. Yeah. Yeah. Like that like, level of magician. It's like that trick requires that amount of commitment, like cutting his fucking hand off or getting it, whatever they did where they had to remain uh, identical twins. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. And, and brilliant. The whole part when he was, uh, you know, it made sense because he would talk to his wife and do you love me? Not today. You know, that whole bit. And I was like, mm. oh, God, of but, course. But, but what's brilliant is that it makes sense when you don't understand what's going on. And it makes sense when you do know what's going yeah. on. Very like, hard. Oh, of course, he's just a dick. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And most of the times, like, I patch onto that stuff. Most of the time, I was delightfully surprised. Oh, yeah. And you know what? I fell right into their fucking trap. You know what it is? Because Michael Caine tells us, don't really want to know. You want to be fooled. You're not really looking for it. You want to be fooled. And it was true. I didn't want to, I just wanted to just be fooled. And I was, it was so good. Yeah. It's like manipulated in the best way. <laughs> <laughs> and also now that I'm thinking about it, the way that the, as the character Christian Bale was able to answer that question, honestly, without revealing his. Even, even she didn't know. Like yeah. that's, that's how, honest. yeah, that's so deep. I mean, it's a bizarre thing to do to somebody, obviously, but talk about a commitment to your craft. That's, that's impressive in the story. Heartbreaking. Like the story of these people was just heartbreaking. So the one that managed to get arrested at the end, was that the Christian Bale that was married to the woman or the one that was in love with Scarlett Johansson? I think it was the one that didn't have kids that, because he couldn't see his kids, or that's a good question. I don't recall. I can't remember if, he, if they if he stayed out so he could be with his kids. Was that what it was? Well, yeah, that's a good. I, I, mean, like, I for some reason a, I feel like a reasoning why one stayed and one right. Day. Well, it was just <laughs> that guy's. It was that guy's turn, wasn't it? It was just random. Like they had the switch, you know. So it was his turn to do the trick, and that's when he got busted. It just happened to be that was the time that he was the one that was going to be in right. the box. Oh, not. so I think it was <clears throat> I feel like when I saw it, that it was the one that was in love with Scarlett Johansson. He was going to have to take care of his uh, brother's kid. That's right. the way I, felt. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Which is awful. Not Cutter. Yeah. But what was the the fake assistant? Uh -oh. I can't remember his name. Yeah, I forget what his <laughs> but name the, was. But the twin brother, like he was dressed as the fake assistant. Right. Right. Kids. right. And I bet you the more you watch that movie, I bet you there's because I caught that one Easter egg of him sitting in the in the the crowd and, and having a little grin at the joke, you know, and I bet you there's more of those because you know, Nolan would, would do that kind of stuff to you. And that's Thank the beauty of like watching uh, Chris Nolan movies. I mean, like I feel like he's one of the uh, modern directors. I've seen all of his films because it's like, you know, you get that effort in his stories. So I movies. A question for you, Zach, is, is would you, who would you rather go out with? And, and, and I want to know this. Mm -hmm. That's the wrong one. That's the old one. Didn't oh, I play no. that one? Or, shit, I have a new one. Hold on a second. I love that it has a little bit of Texas in there. <laughs> great. I mean, I think we know the answer, but I'm curious, would you rather hang out with Christopher Nolan or the other guy? I mean, between the, if it's a question of between the two, Chris Nolan, hands down. Oh, right. I mean, I could talk to, to him about, you know, so many of his films that I'm That's sure he's tired of discussing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I haven't seen Tenet, 
But I know that I was I was thoroughly confused in uh, Inception, yeah. uh, thoroughly. And I think it took me two or three times to watch that to kind of understand what's going on. And a Amber actually did an Inception on me the other day. It was really interesting. She planted an idea in my head that I had no idea was there until it, she planted it. Nice. It's really good. Sneaky like that. <laughs> it's one of the few Chris Nolan movies that doesn't have something like the twist doesn't revolve around time in some way. I've not uh, seen Inception, I will admit. You I oh wow, that one's oh, good. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard it's good. I've seen Dunkirk, and I've seen also good. Dark Knight and Batman Begins. I've not seen Interstellar, but I love Christopher Nolan's voice. Like he is a very distinct point of view as a filmmaker, and I absolutely love seeing movies by people who have. I feel like he makes movies. Yeah. yeah, like he's like a cinema guy. Like he's, you can tell he's in. Like Quentin Tarantino is into movies. Like I'm not so sure that like McG or who's the guy that does the Transformer movies? Fucking Bay, Michael Bay. Yeah, like um, how much does he really enjoy cinema? Or is he just like blowing things up and, and making a shit ton of money? Making blowing a shit ton of money. Cash checks. Yeah. You can feel when someone loves storytelling in movies. You can feel it. And I definitely mm. feel uh, Nolan's passion in all of his work. Absolutely. Like much anything, much makes respect, Nolan. And it's and it's and it, they're complex movies. They're not like easy. You there's movies you have to sit down and watch. You can't be on your phone. You can't be painted to something else. You really have to watch the movies too. Even and the Batman movies are, are like that. Like, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I have a question. This might be this no is more flaw. of a male male centric question to all three of you. Steve, I already know the answer for you, but magic. When you guys were little, did any of you want to be a magician or practice magic or give that a go when you were younger? I wouldn't say that far. Like, I was definitely interested. I was super into magic. I never learned how to do a trick. I, I might have, like, went as far as, like, buying a book, but never really applying it. Not, not when I was a kid. No, when I was a kid. I, you see magicians now, and they're so good. And you watch. I, there were some on um, America's Got Talent. They've had a couple on there that just blew me away. I mean, you don't know how they're doing what they're doing. And it's, it's on stage or in front of people. So it's like, how are you doing this? I mean, it's like, it, it's so good. Um, but I never wanted to do it. But I am definitely intrigued by it when I'm, when I'm seeing it. I have a few tricks. I'm, I'm way into magic, way into magic. I went to the Magic Castle. Amber and I went to the Magic Castle a while back, and uh, it was unbelievable to watch these people do this. And you're on top of them there. There is no, like, space. Like, you're literally sitting on top of these guys. And they're doing tricks with cards. And, I mean, you're like, what is happening? Remember that guy? Oh, it was just, it's, I'm way into it. I love Copperfield, and I love Siegfried and Roy, and Doug, Doug Henning. Magic. All right, huh? uh, Pin and Teller. Carrot Top's not a magician. Isn't he, though? <laughs> Isn't he? Oh, my gosh. No, like, I, I, look at David, his career. David Blaine, there's a guy out right now that does uh, the Carbonara effect. He's pretty good. I mean, oh, I love him. There's a lot of, and, and the thing about magicians are that they may do the trick that everybody's done a million times, but it's making it new and they're, or they're, mm -hmm. or they're creating they new tricks. Yeah, like, I think, like, David Blaine creates tricks you know how hard that is or, He'll or take... uh, the amazing jonathan oh he's great yeah yeah, yeah. i mean so i i love it i love it and like i'm interested like i don't want to i don't want to know how the trick is done like as i'm watching it or even afterwards necessarily but like when there's kind of an old trick say something that you know everyone's seen this trick i am curious like you know how are certain things done and like what is the the trick but yeah but I don't, the mystery is kind of nice, though. It is kind of nice sure, not knowing. Because sure. once you do figure it out, you're like, oh, okay. Take some of the fun away. Yeah, because yes. it, it doesn't look like magic. It doesn't look actually possible, and they're making it possible. Yeah, I don't go to see a magic show to be grounded in reality. I go to just believe in magic for a moment and get something like a different perspective and point of view in the world for just a minute. Like, it's so, so cool. Okay. My, old, my old boss at Technicolor... <clears throat> Shout out to Daryl Charles. He is a magician at the Magic Castle. And the code from what he told me is you never you never tell how the trick is done, but magicians trade tricks. Oh. So if you have a trick that he hasn't seen or she hasn't seen or they haven't seen, um, you can present them with the trick if they like it and they're willing to trade one with you, then you can learn a trick. It's it's really cool. He, I showed him one, and he was like, okay, I like that. Hey, hey Steve, it's kind of like 
Magic the Gathering. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Is that oh, what happens? No, it's a card game. Oh, right. Oh, I thought you meant, I, of course, I thought you meant that that was part of Magic the Gathering. You're you like to tra trading, you're trading cards, you know. That's <laughs> All right, exactly. Yeah, it, it's a <laughs> it's a very interesting community of people. And, and um, he did a trick, I'll just real quickly. He has a trick where uh, it's unbelievable. So he has two cards that are covered in movie titles. Every movie, there's probably over a hundred on each side and there's two of them. And he'll say, pick a movie. And so you go and you you go down and you pick one of the, I mean, you can make Casablanca, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, they're all yeah. over the place. Like he's made these cards. And then he'll say, pick one. And then you go, okay. And then he says, and he turns the card over and he says, is your movie on this card? And he goes, yeah, just point to the row. And so you point to the row. And then he goes, you were looking at Star Wars or, or something like that. But he not only does it with one, he does it with four or five people at a time. They all pick different movies and they're all, and I'm like, do you have these memorized? He goes, it's it's so much more than that, you know? Because there's no repeats. There's no repeats. That's the part that's crazy. So it, it, it's an amazing trick. Never told me how he did it. Jerk. Good. All right. Well, has anyone ever seen another Neil Berger movie? That's my question to you guys. Because well, I don't believe have I have. Have you seen Divergent? Oh, Divergent. I saw the first Divergent. And yeah. Limitless, Limitless 2, that's the one with, um, what's his name? Bradley Cooper. Yeah, that's where he takes the pills. Oh, Limitless was actually pretty good. Yeah. Pretty I mean, Neil's not a hack. I mean, it's... That's <laughs> what so Zach was trying to infer that. I feel I, like... I felt like he was... Anybody happy. seen a Neil Burger movie? <laughs> God. But no, I mean, it's another not... Neil Cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> but certainly no. not i don't know how old neil neil is so maybe there's like some room to grow no this he's not he's not 2006 prolific. not prolific but somebody like a studio handed this dude a really big movie with high profile two high profile actors at least two oscar noms like that's mm -hmm. pretty the studio had faith in him yeah who who's who 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 produced that what was it I didn't recognize the logos at the beginning. Let's put it that I way. I did not look that up. I don't know that off. Okay, I guess it doesn't matter. Who the distributor was. Hmm. But uh, well, you talked about the difference between the budget. So we may want to get into. Oh, is it time? I think it's time. Oh, here we go. This is for you, Jim. Ready? Oh. It's still fine. Time to make a thing. Gotta make it sound right. Gotta make a second thing. Gotta make a thing. I really, really, I was just kind of scatting there, and uh, and I and I was gonna go and like you know put some proper lyrics in, but then I felt like that was okay. That was good. Yeah, ran out of time. Ran out of time. Time for Metacritic <laughs> review, right. budget we'll breakdown, through, and audience responses. Yes, and we'll go through the gross. Basically, the opening. Uh, I mean, the gross, the total gross uh, for the Illusionist for the U.S. was about forty million, and the total gross for uh, the Prestige was fifty-three million. So, so not, gross is, is what they made total. Total U.S. So they made their money back. The Prestige was forty million. Oh, was it? Yeah, it cost forty million to make. As yeah, so they to... made fifty-three. Yeah, I probably mm, probably not. And no, that's they story. made they made ten million dollars. This is so they made fifty-three. Made fifty-three was, million. Okay. Prestige, so they made... prestige was Christopher Nolan's loaded, lowest rated movie. That's as it, as it should be. Hmm. And I think for the longest time, it finally got um, surpassed by Interstellar, but was it say. was. It was sitting at the bottom of his film list, which I'm really surprised. I thought this was a cool movie. But I think it speaks to the quality of his films, you know? Yeah. And then, no, there's no, I mean, Interstellar still, I still like Interstellar. I liked Interstellar, but I know yeah. a lot of people didn't. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's very complicated. And how much? And The Illusionist also made 50 million? The Illusionist made 40. 40 oh, million? so they killed it. They yeah. killed it then. They started with a budget of 16 and a half yeah. million. So that's a huge profit line. I'll so. bet you 6 million of that went to Ed Norton too. <laughs> totally. Oh, that's the thing. God. Yeah. The, the, the cast, I mean, <clears throat> there was, what else would the money have gone to? It certainly wasn't on screen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so maybe that was the appeal to the studio. It's a cheap movie with some big actors. All smoke and mirrors. Yeah. <laughs> hey, oh. <laughs> So anyway, audience and critic reviews. So The Illusionist, Rotten Tomatoes um, for uh, 
the Prestige, I'm, I'm sorry, for The Illusionist, the audience score was 83. Wow. And the Rotten Tomatoes score that's, was 73. That seems way too high. Yeah. It's, it's they're high. Both different. of them had high audience scores. Hmm, interesting. Both of them did. Yeah, 83 for The Illusionist. So it did pretty good as far as that goes. Um, for the Rotten Tomatoes review, I pulled the review. Deborah Ross said, and she's a real critic, she said, so in short, well, the scenery is very pleasant. This film would kill a couple of hours on a plane, but I don't think I'd advise schlepping to the cinema rather than, say, staying at home for a nap than a bit of cheese. So <laughs> she wasn't... Very specific. I wish I wrote that. that. She wasn't thrilled with it. And I pulled another one because that was a, I, I pulled one bad, one that was eh, and one that liked it. So Jamie Russell said, magic and love, but not a lot of passion in this patchy period piece that could have been the prestige, the prestige's smarter cousin, yet trips over its own ambition. So patchy period piece. Nice. Yep. Nice alliteration. <laughs> yes. Passion in this patchy period piece. That's way too much. God. A lot. Yeah. It was patchy. It was <laughs> and it was a period piece. So yeah, she got to go. <laughs> so the Metacritic score for this was 68 and the user score was 8.6, which is pretty high because yeah. that's out of 10. And the, I did notice on Metacritic, there were a lot of high rankings on it and some that were lower. So I tried to mix it up a little bit. Um, as always, there's three Metacritic reviews and one will be Steve's. I tried to, uh, to mix things up a little bit so it's not too easy to guess. Um, throw you guys off a little bit. Well, we'll see. I'm gonna uh, try to put my poker, put my poker face on. Hold on. Put your poker. Ready? Good. Okay. First review is from Elvis A. And you know, and I pick these mostly not just for the reviews because of the names, of course. So you know, Elvis A. said um, gave it a nine, and he said I'm very biased toward Norton because I love every role I've ever seen him in. And the crazy thing about this movie is that I myself was tricked by the illusion that he wasn't acting as well as I used to, I'm used to seeing him. Instead, I got to the end of the movie and realized he wasn't acting for the audience. He was acting for the other characters in the movie. It's like you can see everything coming and you think you're not fooled. And once the ending sequence hits, you immediately realize you are duped. Great acting by all. And anyone who doesn't like this movie needs to go back and watch it again and realize why it's, a, why it's good. <laughs> um, and why anything Norton is in, he has the Midas touch. As mom, Acting for the other actors, what does that even mean? I think we I need to go know. back and read that, re read that again, rewatch that review, because that was so, <laughs> was he a writer on the movie? It was so confusing, oh my God. Yeah, I, I don't understand why he was I mean, acting for the actors. I don't, just, I don't, I don't know what that understand means. that review. <laughs> so so whatever. Jessica Biel. Yeah, yeah, he was acting for her. Um, <laughs> So this next Metacritic, his, uh, his, I'm assuming it's his name, Steve at Home 37, 6.5. The Illusionist is a mediocre movie at best. Ed Norton and Paul G Giamatti give believable but somewhat non-inspiring performances. The real problem is the, is the magic is defined by the crown prince, and that seems fake to me. So that's that Magic one. is defined by the crown prince? Yeah. Ru the... Rupert Sewell character, I guess. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. And Metacritic uh, Fantasy also gives it a nine. And he or she wrote, I saw this with my, oh, it's a he. I, I must, well, I couldn't know, he or she. I saw this with my main squeeze, Carol Ann. We both loved it. The acting is first rate and the story was great. The only negative was at the end. It would have been fun to see how everything was really done. Well, we all know about CGI, but I mean, it would have been neat to see a little more detail. Great movie, anyways. Go see and enjoy. So, fantasy. Oh, no. What is that? What is that reaction? Oh, Jim, you did so good. So, those, oh my God. Those three are the ones I picked, and one of them is our very own Steve. You, you picked some doozies, buddy. Well done. Yeah, it's tough. Whoever isn't Steve, there seems to be a really specific kind of person writing reviews for The Illusionist because they could all be the same people. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of them were like that. For the, for this one especially, I was, like, I was trying to find something that was, that was a little different. They're a lot like this. Yeah, yeah. And there's a I, lot of them. There's I, like 100 reviews. I was surprised because I, I kind of go and look and see what the tone is before I write mine. And uh, th there was a bunch for this movie. Yeah. I am going to just... Gonna just go with Steve at home and just That's say my guess too. It just say that it was so on the nose that it just might be. I thought maybe he'd try to throw us off by using his name yeah, in 
That's my instinct, but I could be wrong. Who knows? That's what I'm going with. And Steve, what is it? Steve, Steve, 47. <laughs> oh, wait, that's Steve at home, 37. Oh, Steve at home, 37, right. I got it. I thought for sure that that was going to throw a little curveball in there. That's why. I'm, uh, well, that's it almost like, did. It the uh, and the palindrome was non, N-O-N, very easy. Oh, never, ever catch it. <laughs> the, the main, the, the Caroline, the Caroline one, the third one, I, it just seemed like, it just sounded like an old guy yeah. that just loves I saw this with my main Caroline, but I could also see Steve doing that for some I like that they felt like they needed to call out the name of their partner in the review. Yes. This yeah. main squeeze or her main squeeze. Main squeeze, just in yeah. case like Carolyn was reading it like, you, you mentioned me, me in there. Who is this main squeeze? Just I will like, watch no, this no, with just... you. You're cheating on me. Don't right? I mean anything to you? Who is oh, this main squeeze? Caroline sounds like hey, a real Caroline. bitch. <laughs> right? There's problems sure. in that relationship. She's probably sure. very sweet. Sorry, Caroline, if you're listening. All right, it's on to the prestige. Rotten Tomatoes audience score of 92. Yep, and a sense. Rotten Tomato score of seventy six, so a little that, lower. That but... seems a little low. Yeah, yeah, interesting. that seems a little low. But the audience score is way up, is is right up there. So Rotten Tomatoes critic review, I picked Joshua Rothkoff, <laughs> and he wrote the Who's Bilking Whom mind games makes for compelling fun. But once the presto moment of the prestige is revealed, you're left with nothing but shattered illusions. Is that the real critic? That's a real critic. And then I picked also Roger Roger Ebert, just because he's Roger Ebert. He, Absolutely. He wrote, it's quite a movie. Atmospheric, obsessive, almost satanic. That was it. Okay. Almost yeah. satanic. Hmm. Satan-ish. Devil adjacent. <laughs> yeah. It's a killing, it's a colonial killing people, I think. Maybe that was it. Yeah, right. Metacritic score for this is 66, and the user score is 8.6. So Metacritic number one. Um, First person one, Big Bomber one, gives it a four and wrote, What a disappointment from Christopher Nolan. The look and feel of this movie was not on the same level as his Batman movie or Inception. The cloning technology came across as hokey, and the twist at the end was so predictable. I expect more from you, Mr. Nolan. Great about the cloning, but that was not predictable. Yeah, <laughs> it was a great twist. Hmm. Uh, the second review was from The Gorilla. The gorilla gives um, the procedure 10. And I'm going to read this the way it's written with the um, a punctuation. Ready? What a movie. Oh! OMG. Jesus. No doubt, Christopher Nolan is one of the best in the game. The cast, the plot, the twist, wonderful, genius. I'm speechless right now. I, I, I was blown away. 100 out of 10. 100. Kind of read it the way it was written. Otherwise, oh, I want to write all my reviews like that. So Jim has to do that. So many exclamation points in this and capitals that I just had to read. That was brilliant, Jimmy. Oh, that was good. (laughs) We got the gist of how much the gorilla loved this. The gorilla. All right, and this third review is from Drums and Stuff. He gives it a nine, or she. Um, If you like the Illusionist, you'll absolutely love this. Christopher Nolan is probably one of the greatest film writers of all time. He can make a simple story into a complex plot twister of a film. I have loved all of his movies, and I'm not sure if he will make a bad one. They have all gotten better every time. So she compared this to, she said, you like the illusionist, you like this one. So she saw, or he saw both too. Drums and stuff. All right, so it's Big Bomber, The Gorilla, and Drums and Stuff. I'll go Drums and Stuff. Part of me wants to think the middle one was Steve. Yeah, and I would think it was either first or the last, but not the middle one. Not the middle. Well, no, just because I I want the middle one to be Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Big bomber or drums and stuff. I go drums and stuff too. Steve. Big bomber. <laughs> but I just realized I put two power drums in the first one and none in the second one. There was yeah. two. So I think you misread I it, Jim. Totally it's missed a, it too. It's a tough word. Uh, but the, uh, instead of it being defined by the prince, the, the it says the real problem was the magic was deified oh. by the crowd. So deified, deified is is meaning to make godlike. Yeah, yeah, deified. Deified. So that was. Oh, deified. You're. I'm sorry. You're right. Deified. That's a yeah. tough one, especially if you're not reading. That's a yeah. tough word. Deified. I remember what I wrote. I said I should probably send him a note, but then I forgot. Nope, that was good. No, I yeah, maybe yeah. I'll I'll underline the palindromes from now on, so you make sure that you know what they are. Well, n- won't ever make a difference. Just. <laughs> 
<laughs> Zach, I feel like Zach's on the brink of catching one one of these days. Amber, someday, baby. You ever put hard as I'm looking at him? It's hard to hear. It's hard to hear a palindrome. It's yes, easier it to see and, one. So absolutely. <clears throat> so it'd be hard, even you know. So one day when you do catch it, it's going to be so satisfying. Yeah, or if you mention a race car. I'm yeah, <laughs> that, I will never put race that, car. This is not my strength. Whatsoever. Or a Toyota. I just go for the vibe. <laughs> well, you guys are getting better. You're at 50% today, so that's good. Not bad. Yeah. It's like our so, normal. <laughs> yeah. Well, you used to never get them right. You're like, I want this to be him, but I, I got to, yeah. I think for me, it was an easy choice. The Illusionist tries really hard to be like a super, like arty sort of mm -hmm. actor's piece of a movie. And it just falls short in too many things. I love Paul Giamatti. I think he's great. I'm sort of upset that he's doing those Geico commercials or something right now. It bums me I out. I know. I wasn't convinced it was him, but I'm like, hell no. <laughs> oh, with the, oh, no, the Verizon. The Verizon, 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 Verizon. The, the uh, Einstein. Einstein ones, yeah. Yeah. I actually loved his performance. The first time I saw him that I really remember was in uh, Private Parts, Howard Stern. Same here. So That's good. Yeah. yeah, pig vomit. He was brilliant. Yep. And, um, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan, that's a tough, it's going to take something really special to beat any of his movies. And uh, so, yeah, The Illusionist did not quite get there. Mm -mm. No, agreed. Even without the prestige, I mean, The Illusionist just, uh, it wasn't as clever as it was trying to be. Uh, it didn't look good. Uh, I remember very little about it. <laughs> No, uh, it, it truly, because I watched it, like, I want to say it was like a month ago, and I watched almost the whole thing. I think it was like 30 minutes left, so I'm like, I'm going to watch it again. So I watched it again today, did not remember any, really any of it. Wow. I'm like, because I, I was just going to watch pieces and just fast forward. Yeah. I'm like, I can't fast forward because I, I don't remember that part. <laughs> it's a really repetitive movie, and it struggles with its pacing. It is really, it's a shorter movie, and it's harder to watch. Yeah. Just not go watch RRR instead. <laughs> yes all unanimous then we all like the prestige yep. better the prestige. but but i love how how many similarities that these two did have i yep. think this is one of the closest aside from the wide herbs you know what i mean maybe as but they weren't that similar movies just the, the tone was the same mm -hmm. but these movies actually had a lot of similarities between them more yeah. so than almost any of them I think Deep yeah. Impact. Deep Impact Armageddon. I was going to say that one too. Those were eerily <clears throat> similar as well, like layered. I think it was even as just stacking up on the things that it had in common. Yeah. It's so interesting to see how many things are similar and how different the end product is. I'm angry. I'm angry that we watched Deep Impact now. I feel I forgot about that. Now I'm upset again. God, that movie sucked. <laughs> Pretty bad. Poor Tay Leone. Oh, uh, let me just walk around with watery eyes the whole time and then die at the end. Brilliant. Uh, I know. <laughs> uh, I well, uh, anyone, anyone have anything uh, to plug? Uh, everyone should go check out my YouTube channel. No. Metal School just got, got up to 50,000 subscribers. Woo! Uh -huh. what, what's, what is it called again? Metal School. Oh, Jim, yeah, you have to look at it. It's really, you would love it. You would love it. I don't know. Did, that, did you talk about this before? How do I, if I blank this out? I may have. I mean, it's been a while. No, yeah. go, just look it up. It's it's really okay. good. What's Jim the latest? Neglectful friend, you absolutely mentioned this. <laughs> what's the latest, what's the latest uh, groupie? I did one about uh, five metal bands that only released an EP. Oh, so wow. all I have is one EP out, yeah. And I'm you working see? on a Blind Guardian right now. Oh my gosh. Oh. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I would uh, real quick since we're talking about shouting out uh, Amber won an Emmy since the last oh, time. Oh yes. yeah, it's true. For direction, for direction in Stillwater, we're super proud. It was it was quite a moment for her. Nice. You, need, you need to get a, an applause sound effect and put it in. Oh, that's true. We need that. Thank you. I'll add it later. Dub that in. <laughs> yeah. Is that your better. first Emmy? That was my first, my second nomination and my first win. Nice. This is Amber's so second amazing. nomination and first win for Stillwater. <laughs> Jim announced her voice. Still have episodes Wrap it up. of Wrap it up. <laughs> Still have episodes of Stillwater on Apple TV. You can check that out. I have episodes of Hamster and Gretel. Totally firing off first season on Great Disney show. Channel, Disney Plus. Creator, uh, same creator as Phineas and Ferb. Dan Povenmire's new show. So much fun. Check it out. Young, old, family viewing, family entertainment, Hamster and Gretel. It's a great show. Mm -hmm. Love the title. Yeah, so cute. So what's the ne what's next for us? Are we going to do, uh, do we know? Uh, we can. We should probably do that 
after we sign off. That's a good idea. Oh, we haven't signed off yet. All right. All roads lead to dick. I did this part out. <laughs> Amber, gosh. <laughs> Always have to throw that in there. It's so weird. I think that's our show, guys. Well done, everybody. <laughs> Sound effects courtesy of the Soundly app. Go to getsoundly.com for your complete sound effect platform. Intro and outro music for this episode is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. Hear more like this on Incompetech.com. Thanks for listening, everybody, and be sure to rate us on iTunes and give us a review if you feel like it. Shoot us an email at filmfightpodcast at gmail.com if there's a matchup you'd like to see. And that's it for this week. Catch us next time for another episode of the Film Fight Podcast.